Welcome to What and When, the podcast where your bucket lists meet the questions you have on not quite a daily basis. I'm Sarah, your list-loving caffeine connoisseur host, and that's right, I love lists. On this show, I'm going to be helping you create lists of new things, places to travel to, what to do when you're bored, what to wear when your work suddenly goes from semi-business casual to semi-business formal, and it all seems the same. And you may not love lists at this particular moment, and that's okay. But I hope you already love food because you're turning into our episode, What Do I Cook Next? And I'm talking all things food, and you already guessed it. I'll be listing some ideas for you to try next, foods that I want to try making, and places to spark the cooking or baking inspiration. So if you haven't already, grab something to write with and your preferred choice of beverage and possibly a snack because I'm sure you'll get hungry at some point. Currently, I'm drinking a passion green tea from Boiling Point and 10 out of 10 would recommend. So the first thing on my to cook list that I have done is a one pot pasta. Okay, real talk. I have not done a 100% completely one pot pasta. I have done a one and a half pot pasta because I overestimated how much pasta I was actually cooking and then my first pot wasn't big enough so then I had to get a second pot hence the one and a half but I love these recipes because you can put literally anything in garlic mushrooms spinach shrimp beans sausage onion pesto artichoke tomatoes really anything you so desire to have on and with your pasta and then it's turn the fire on and then it's go time for your whole meal As far as ingredients go, I mean, you may not want to put all of those things in there, but hey, if that's what you love, you do you. Pasta is great because it goes with anything. It's hard to mess up, and it's something that tastes good the day you make it and the next day, which is key for meal prep. The second thing on my list to cook is Japanese curry. It's my personal favorite and it's my comfort food. Japanese curry isn't like any curry you've had before, and there are two ways to make it. There's the easy way, and then there's the better way. The easy way is in a crock pot, and a similar thing to the one pot pasta. You throw all your chicken in, your beef, your carrots, your potatoes, your onions, and then the seasoning, which you can get at your local grocery store. They will definitely have it at any Asian market. And then you chop it, all the seasoning seasoning blocks up and pretend you got some master level chef knife skills and then toss it in put the top on turn it on make sure it's plugged in first and then turn it on again and then you go to work you go to school and then you come back and you have fresh curry mm, with a side of fresh rice there's nothing better and nothing homier my recommendation for the blocks of seasoning are the golden curry or the vermont curry my preference is probably golden curry but either one's really good and i mentioned earlier that there was the better way to do it which is actually put the chicken in a pot on the stove and brown it that way and then add the vegetables and seasoning to the pot but you have to be around because you need to make sure you're stirring the pot every so often to make sure all the ingredients are getting cooked evenly. Um, it's better to cook the chicken first and then 
um, and then you cook the vegetables and then you add them again, which is why it's the better way because then they are actually getting the proper amount of cook time instead of just throwing it all in the pot. But honestly, time is of the essence sometimes. You're a college student, you're working, you're doing all these things, and sometimes the crockpot is just easiest, working student or not. Oh, hint, if your curry is too watery, add cornstarch. It will thicken it up, and then it'll be way better. And if your friend is not willing to bring over their cornstarch so you can have not watery curry, or is unwilling to bring you to the store so you can get cornstarch so you can have not watery curry, then make sure that it's on your grocery list the next time you go to the store so you always have it in your pantry. The third thing on my list is Trader Joe's Honey Roasted Pumpkin Ravioli. Okay, so yeah, confession, it's not actually from scratch, but I can't not mention it because it's fall, so it's pumpkin season, and in the name of all things autumn and festive, you have to try Trader Joe's Honey Roasted Pumpkin Ravioli. And technically, you're not even cooking it for real, so it's even easier. You're just putting the pasta in boiling water, draining the pasta, then adding a bit of melted butter or olive oil, mm, and it's deliciousness. This is a whole level up than your average pumpkin spice latte or pumpkin bread, which I know all you be eating at some point. So just add this to your list. It's festive and it's fun. Also, the thing that I mentioned earlier about pasta goes with anything, pumpkin is also on that list as well. The fourth thing is also from Trader Joe's, and it's their beef bulgogi. So it's not seasonal, which is phenomenal because then you can get this year round. And bulgogi is a Korean style of seasoning, which typically is a mixture of soy sauce, garlic, green onion, and sugar. You might even order it at Korean barbecue. It's the meat when it comes already marinated. And it's on the sweeter side, but not like candy sweet. It's just a hint sweeter. And it's one of the things that I cook when I feel like I'm treating myself. You just broil the meat in the oven, serve with a side of sautéed garlic spinach and fresh white rice. Mm-mm. Hello, five-star meal. It's both comfort food, but taken to the next level. And I can't do a food podcast and not talk about dessert. My go-to, what I would say, signature dessert shout out to Claudia Fleming from Food Network for the recipe, is a lemon cream phyllo Napoleon. And this is not your lemonade stand cookies. It's a lemon custard, hello butter, with flaky and buttery phyllo dough layers. Phyllo is actually a super thin dough that is used in a lot of pastries. Think croissant, but thin and crunchy instead of puffy. And I will say this recipe does take a long time to make, mainly because you actually make custard on a low heat. And so it takes a lot longer for all the ingredients to melt and then to reach the right consistency. So it's stirring and stirring and stirring and stirring and stirring, stirring, stirring some more. But then it's all worth it. And it's honestly all pretty simple because the bulk of your work is just stirring the custard while it's on the stove. It's a dessert that will make you feel fine and fancy, and I know it will impress any of the doubters of your cooking skills, 
as long as you do it right, <laughs> which is pretty easy to do. Also, it tastes bomb. It's buttery and flaky and crunchy and lemony, and it looks impressive. Trust me, when you assemble the layers of the custard and the phyllo, you will want your camera to eat first. And then you'll post that on your Snapchat or Instagram story, and people will ask you, what new cute cafe did you find and what dessert is that and you can just say mm, it's homemade but those are some things that i have tried and i promise i do eat more than those four things but there are another four things that i still want to try and cook the first one is a seared ahi tuna i love fish and this seared ahi recipe is a mix of both the raw and the cooked side so it's cooked it's seared about Mm, half an inch all the way around and then it's still raw in the middle and I love sashimi so it's kind of a cool mix of both the cooked tuna and the raw tuna the second thing I want to try is baked mozzarella chicken rolls and I think that one speaks for itself it's breading and cheese and chicken and it's baked in a pan and that's just called goodness to me the third thing I want to learn how to do is actually homemade pasta from scratch. The dream is to make pasta that's actually colored, which you use other vegetables for, which is like master pro chef level, which we are definitely not there yet, but we will get there. For now, I'm like happy with the regular tan wheat colored pasta. And then the last thing, coming back to sugar, are the souffle pancakes. It's a Japanese-based recipe, and it's just the pancakes are usually smaller, but they're a lot taller because they're fluffy and, like, pillowy and jiggly and mm, delicious. I love fluffy pancakes. But it's a specific recipe, and I want to learn how to make those in particular. So, you've been listening to the podcast, and you might say, well, I'm still not inspired, Sarah, and I still want to be inspired. So my answer to that would be, listen to this last list. First thing on it is go watch Ratatouille, the Disney movie. I mean, I challenge anyone to watch that movie and not get hungry or inspired by watching a rat cook. Is it realistic? No. Is it cute to watch? Absolutely. Will it make you hungry? Undoubtedly. Ooh, especially the bread scene. If nothing else, go YouTube the bread scene. Ooh, there will be a link on my page to make sure that you can find it. It's so worth that 30 seconds. The second thing I would say, go watch The Great British Baking Show. It's about a bunch of amateur bakers who compete in a baking competition. Stress on amateur bakers. Like, yes, they are cooking things and baking things that you probably wouldn't want to even make on a normal basis. But hey, they're not professionals and they're still busting out all these cool cakes and pastries and custards and things. If they can do it, we can do it. Third one, watch The Final Table. It's also a Netflix original. It will just make you hungry, plain and simple. Now some for more out-of-the-box ideas. Go buy a bakery in your neighborhood, in your town or city, stand in the entrance of the door, and then just breathe in the smell of fresh bread. There's nothing like it, and it will definitely make you hungry. Really, the goal of this is to make you hungry so that then you'll want to cook and bake. Another one, try a new restaurant, and you might find a new dish or food or ingredient you want to try cooking with. It never hurts to always eat out for inspiration for what you want to cook later. No shame. Another one, 
Maybe to narrow it down is to try cook a new food from the same culture of a language you're learning or from the culture you're from. So I both have Japanese and Chinese influence. So if it was from my Japanese side, I would say I want to make unagi don. Unagi is eel and don is like a rice bowl. Um, but there's like different sauce mixtures with soy sauce and ginger and garlic and things. And so I want to learn that because I do love eel. And then from my Chinese side, I want to learn how to make egg drop soup. The funny thing is, I can't even tell you how it starts, which is why it's also on my list of things to cook and learn how to cook. Or my personal favorite is my last one on this list. Just go to Trader Joe's and try some free samples. Again, the more you eat, the more you'll want to cook. And if nothing else, your stomach will be satisfied. So I genuinely hope that you are hungry by now or at least have a trip planned to Trader Joe's on your calendar because these are true finds, both recipes and just ideas to try of ways you might be more inspired to cook. Also, if any of these recipes are ones you want to try, check out the recipes page on the podcast website because there will be links to these recipes there. And then you can just click on it, read all the things, get your ingredients and cook away. Also, if you've watched Ratatouille or The Great British Baking Show and you're still not inspired to cook, then you should tune in next week when I talk about what to do when you're bored, because we have all been there. Well, I'm Sarah. This is What and When, and I'll be listing it until next time. Thank you.